Hello and welcome to uh, yet another episode of the Vision Board. Uh, today we have Purnima Kuto, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of SLK Software with us. Uh, we're going to have an interesting conversation with her. Uh, Purnima spent close to a decade at Wipro heading the brand and communications and marketing uh, before she joined SLK. So welcome Purnima. It's a privilege talking to you today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So, so why don't we start our conversation with something interesting that's been happening over the past, uh, uh, you know, few weeks, essentially, or few days, and that's about the talk about Facebook changing its name to Meta, uh, and and it's not something new. I think close to half a decade back, we also, uh, you know, witnessed Google, uh, you know, uh, forming Alphabet. And uh, uh, what's the reason? Why do you think these things happen? Because Google, for example, was a great brand and Facebook is a great brand, a very trustworthy brand. Why would they need to change their brand names? See, um, you know, in the past, a uh, lot of organizations have rebranded themselves to move away from consumer scrutiny, right? And uh, as we all know, there has been, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, um, what do you say, questionable practices and issues that both of these brands have actually faced, right? Um, so, you know, gone are the days when, um, you know, organizations can simply rebrand themselves uh, to sort of walk away from that scrutiny, right? Because now consumers are extremely savvy. Um, so they want to kind of uh, hold brands in, in a very high standard and they expect that brands embody their values uh, and really deliver on their brand promise uh, at every instance. So when brands falter, consumers are quick to call them out. So um, I've seen, you know, I mean, we've seen this happening right in the past and uh, many, many years ago, another IT services company, you know, they moved from consulting to IT services and they changed their name entirely. You probably know which one I'm talking about, but you know, Google has done that and now Facebook has gone into meta. So uh, this seems to be something that people, organizations are sort of resorting to. And this is a very by the book approach if you ask me for a rebranding, uh, you know, exercise. Uh, but if, if organizations like Facebook and Meta, which is now Meta, is able to walk away from, you know, the fire that they're currently under and really shed all of those issues and go into a completely new avatar from within, then yes, I think the rebranding is definitely going to, you know, be worthwhile and really be uh, true to what they want to sort of live up to in the consumer's eyes. Understood. I think, I think that's an interesting take. I, I also had another thought around this and this essentially emanates from what we witnessed in, in the Xerox case study. Xerox became a kind of a, uh, a synonym to the category in which it operated. So, and, and that really didn't work well for Xerox because Xerox is also an inventor of perhaps mouse or the GUI, but people don't credit Xerox enough for the other inventions, but Xerox has been typecasted as a photocopier company. I think that's one branding challenge that maybe Google force, foresaw because Google thought that we are not just a search engine because they, are all, they were also being typecasted as just a search engine. But Google, of course, bought Android and, and it, it had YouTube and they would want it to kind of control the operating system of mobile, essentially. That was perhaps the reason to form Alphabet and became and then Google becomes one component only for, for Alphabet. Maybe for Facebook also, they have a vision to become the operating system of the future because they are talking about 3D, they are talking about AR and VR. And 
they just want to say that Facebook is just one component of Meta. We have Instagram, we have WhatsApp, and we have a lot of new technologies that we're going to, you know, come into. Uh, but very, very interesting on that, and no one can forget that you know, there is, there are scrutiny and privacy issues, uh, yeah. you know, lingering on for Facebook as well. So that that, that is a yeah. really interesting one. Sure. But but coming home and talking about the trends. Uh, we also saw the Nikas IPO. Uh, yeah. We also saw what a uh, you know success uh, it achieved. Uh, what's your take on that? I mean, at the end of the day, Nika is essentially a e-commerce platform. It doesn't, so far, it doesn't have its own uh, brand that it's selling. It's essentially selling third-party brands through it. It's it's a, uh, yeah. it's a typical marketplace in one sense. Uh, how do you see the success of Nika? motivating other startups and especially the women entrepreneurs in India. Yeah. So, you know, I think that uh, the Nika IPO has been um, uh, a phenomenal story, right? Um, I think, in fact, it's probably been one of the most profitable companies to, you know, go into IPO in, the, in recent months, right? And in, in some of the other IPOs that have happened recently. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And and uh, I, think it, I think it's all about how Falguni Nair saw that there is a need there there is a gap uh, in what you know customers and consumers are looking for and just went ahead and filled that need right and she was so passionate about it and she just kept at it right um and i think uh, it's absolutely inspiring you know that what nika has done and i'm sure it's going to be like a huge confidence booster for a lot of women entrepreneurs because for them it's going to be like hey listen this isn't you know something we can't do so you know um i'm sure a lot of women can relate to this now and and i'm sure it's going to be inspiring for them to you know want to really you know go after their passions and turn those dreams into realities and and start investing themselves into building products and services that they truly believe in i think it's it's that belief and the need sweet spot that you know we're looking at and i think it's a i think it's a phenomenal story and and i'm really sort of excited to see how this entire uh, story unfolds going forward and in fact you know there was a time when people would uh, you know tell you that small niches will not work you have to be big like a flipkart or amazon and uh, yeah. and for that to for one to become a you know huge e-commerce platform like them you need to have deep pockets and yeah. in any case there are network effects at play there and so it's very difficult for a small time startup to really envision a, a huge opening like what nika did uh, but i think today with nika there is an opportunity for startups to find small niches and explore those niches into various you know business monetization ideas exactly become... yeah exactly exactly it's um, niche is definitely a huge uh, a huge advantage uh, but also ensuring that you're uh, you know packaging what you're offering to the customer in the right way and filling that need in at the right moment is very very you know crucial so um, you know i think uh, i think that's uh, i think is very very uh, interesting the story exactly the consumer experience as you rightly pointed out that's extremely important and and you also said nika was profitable already yeah yeah zomato which had almost a similar valuation but nika yeah but look at their <laughs> look at their stock prices after they after took it, it. So, so yeah. yeah that also brings us to the metrics what are the metrics that as marketers 
because some people say profitability some people say consumer experience or customer experience but within experience also there are multiple metrics that as marketers we need to look at yeah. uh, what are those metrics key metrics as, as a marketer you see uh, within your organization or you would suggest uh, you know startups to look at see um some of the you know uh, larger metrics uh, in terms of what a marketing campaign does for you or you know uh, what your uh, marketing strategy is doing for the business in terms of revenue profitability you know bringing in new customers those things will never go away right those things are going always going to stay but uh, i think um, you know especially in the last couple of years let's say the, the two covid years that we've all lived through um because of the way you know we've started engaging with customers which has become almost fully digital right uh, there's hardly been any in person interactions in the last couple of years with our consumers and customers so you know through digital channels i think the metrics and the insights that you're able to get is phenomenal right so you know those metrics in terms of your um, you know your cost per lead your cost per acquisition customer retention customer lifetime value those are very very crucial metrics that uh, people should constantly keep an eye on and uh, you know the kind of insights and data these channels throw up i mean the amount of sophisticated data that you're getting it's it's absolutely possible to nuance your metrics even more and you know marketers like you know everybody knows that it's it's one of the most important things is to be able to show value to business so while all this happens i know vanity metrics will thrive alongside you know all of this but i think it's important to show these actionable metrics to business uh, and which will kind of really hold uh, marketers in good stead in the long run no absolutely and 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 we also understand that these metrics this data insights would not be possible if we don't have the automation tools or uh, yeah. you know martech tools with us yeah now that brings us to the question that you know what do you need because there are so many tools yeah that you could use uh, how would you go about deciding whether i need a tool or not and if yes then uh, you know where should i start from what kind of tools do i need to have yeah so i don't think there is a question of whether you need a tool or not anymore right yeah. uh because uh, and in fact even before uh, covid happened or the pandemic you know came into our lives i think uh, tech marketing was something you know that was already prevalent people were already adopting a lot of tech tools and i know and a martech stack into their uh you know uh, plan and into their mix in fact i would say nearly 25% of budgets go into investing in your martech stack right uh, your marketing budget so um that's a very very crucial aspect but having said that the plethora of tools and you know technology is available out there to a marketer you know it's so different from what it used to be 20 years ago right. i think you know if you ask me i would say 20 years ago we were groping in the dark right Absolutely. it's no longer the case now because you have a you have a tool for every single thing you know you can you can get insights into every single aspect and every single channel of what you do and how you say and where you're saying it right and your engagement with the customers so but but the flip side is also that it's mushroom that market is huge now in and to a very large large extent it's also very unstructured which can be daunting for marketing leaders so you know my advice would be to you know start off simple 
keep it basic, right? Uh, because getting overwhelmed <laughs> is very easy in a, in a situation like this. So I think it's important to really truly assess your organization or your business's needs and what is the goal that you have that you want to achieve through marketing. And then look at what is available to you that will fit into those areas and look at that sweet spot. Um, and, and start off very, very simple, uh, you know, keep a, at least a basic marketing automation tool in place, a couple of listening tools, social listening tools, uh, any other tool that can help you with, um, you know, kind of campaign, you know, monitoring and campaign tracking tools. Mm -hmm. I think if you have this much in place to get started off, I think, you know, you know, we're in a really good place. Uh, once you're in a steady state within the organization and even your marketing organization is in a steady state, um, then it's time for you to experiment you know, and do small pilots in, you know, in shorter sprints, try it out with different and then see which one sort of works the best for your need and your marketing organization. So I think that's, that's probably would be the way I would suggest to go about it. No, absolutely. I think I agree with you 100% even in, in our own case and yeah. I have seen in some other organizations case also, lots of time we in our enthusiasm invest into tools, but the biggest challenge comes when these tools don't talk to each other. And hence, your social listening is not talking to your CRM, for instance. Yeah. And uh, your CRM is not talking to your marketing automation. And even if you have a platform which can does, which can do all these things, then a lot of times in larger organizations, slightly larger, medium and large, their CRM systems or their automation tools often are not integrated with different departments or so maybe different departments have different tools. Yeah. Or even sometimes if it's a channel-based organization, the channels have different, have different tools, they have different tools. So I think the, the, the important part, of course, also is that there should be, you know, uh, a kind of a, uh, you know, connectivity between the tools as well. That's, that's important. Absolutely. It's, it's, and it's important to ensure that that's frictionless, right? Because uh, for sure, there has to be that uh, connection between your sales CRM and your you know, marketing automation and your marketing CRM, right? Yes. But uh, ensuring that it is absolutely frictionless and the, and the information flow and the workflows that you set up are, you know, really sort of feeding into every, per, every functions, you know, individual objectives and needs and, yes. and they're able to, you know, kind of take actionable insights out of those, then you're in a good place. In a good place. But that yeah. also brings bring some kind of a headache for the head of marketing because somewhere I've seen, that the head of marketing now has so much of data, which they don't need to really get into on a day-to-day -day basis. But yeah. since there is a lot of data, it automatically creates some kind of a pressure to see that data, to see what kind of insights can we get from that data, which may be kind of redundant at some times. But, yeah. but apart from that, what other struggles do you see today with lot, lots of technology in the coming into marketing, lots of automation coming into marketing? Do you see that there is a, you know, uh, we are kind of foregoing creativity in favor of technology? Is that happening, or as I said, is there uh, some some different type of struggle that marketers are now facing? See, I think one of the struggles that marketing as a function and marketers have always faced, and I would say it continues to be so uh, in many uh, in many places, right? Is that showing the real value of marketing to business? right uh, and and true business impact that you're able to create through marketing and and showcasing that i think has been always a struggle and which is the reason why we need to be able to you know track the right metrics like you rightly said you know you get 
a ton of data, right? But how do you actually filter it out and only take what is relevant to you and correlate it to business impact? Okay, that's so important. And to do that, the struggle is to find the right kind of people, you know, talent. There is a skill gap in, you know, in, in that space. So I think it's important to find the right kind of people who are able to feed marketing heads and CMOs the right amount of insights and actionable insights and correlated to business impact. I think that is a, a, a big problem area. And I think um, if we're able to sort of, you know, solve that problem of that skill gap that I'm talking about, I think then, you know, the whole being, uh, you know, sort of buried under mounds of data and also not being able to show the right kind of uh, value would all be solved at the same time. At the same time. And I think we do have uh, artificial intelligence, uh, you know, which has, which has kind of come to the rescue of marketers in one sense, because with robotic process automation or AI, uh, yeah. perhaps we would see a much more streamlined way of uh, delivering the right data to the right people at the right time. So, yeah. so, so I think that's that's going to come out come to our rescue. But having said that, with the help of automation technology and now AI also coming into picture, how do you see the entire brand building process impacted by these technologies? What kind of uh, you know the brand creation exercise uh, will it change will it transform because of ai and you know other technological means absolutely so you know uh, businesses and industries all over the world are adopting ai in a big way right uh, and you see uh, ai not being limited to the cio organization anymore lines of businesses business heads everybody want understands you know what ai can do for them and, and how it can you know, help them reimagine possibilities. And, uh, you know, why, why should marketing be any different, right? Uh, it's absolutely critical that AI becomes more mainstream into your marketing mix. At this point, it isn't. Uh, people are still, you know, sort of um, experimenting with it. And it's, you know, I would say it's still at its infancy stage. But uh, having said that, I think it's only a matter of time before AI comes in mainstream and you sort of... Uh, see AI as uh, something that can augment our efforts in brand building, in marketing, in everything that we you know, try to do in that space. Um, so from a brand building standpoint of view, uh, you know, uh, AI can ingest data and throw up some very unique insights. So, so imagine the kind of insights it can show up for you on your types of customers, your types of, you know, uh, what do you do? When do you do? Where do you do? And how do you do it? Right. In the most efficient way and in the quickest possible way, rather than us taking a whole year to generate those X amount of leads. Imagine AI coming and doing that for you in just one week, just because you have the right kind of insights and, and you know exactly what needs to be done and it's telling you what to do. So, um, and that's just with lead generation, right? So with, on the aspect of brand building, because you're able to resonate better with your audience, you're able to take the right kind of messages to your audience and you're able to hyper-personalize yourself. So, you know, as a brand, I am, you know, unique to you and you and you. So that hyper-personalization comes in very strong and, you know, that I, I think will really sort of sh uh, shape the way we build brands and, and, and it's gonna be a much shorter journey as opposed to the, you know, what it is currently in terms of the brand building. Well, absolutely. And I also think maybe you will agree with me that the customer experience before they buy or invest into a product or a service, yeah. that can also be powered by AI through your, you know, chat bots, for, for instance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you see that happening in the retail industry in a big way already. 
big way already. So, yeah. So, yeah. So in retail, of course, you know, uh, you, you get AI-driven insights into what people prefer within a retail. Is that what you're pointing out at? Yeah, you, you know, you know, consumer preferences and also, you know, um, suggestions, right? Because you bought something, you're actually getting auto suggestions. Suggestions also. Yeah, yeah. That's all AI, <laughs> correct, correct. right? So, yeah. So AI is helping both the customers and the brands. And the brands. Simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. That's the revolution. No, and, and for the customers, you know, you're, you are becoming more favorable to a brand because you feel like, okay, this brand understands your needs and showing you only what you need and not confusing you with 10,000 things, you know. Yeah. So that way you're becoming a lot more closer to the brand and your relationship with the brand is just becoming stronger. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that also brings us to another you know, challenge as marketers. Uh, there was a coin term sometime back, CMTO, Chief Marketing Technology Officer. Yeah. And that's because marketers today perhaps spend more money on acquiring technology than the IT department. Uh, so, so, so somewhere they are also responsible for buying technology for their department, and which essentially leads us to the question, the, the, you know, uh, and, and the uh, point that you also made was the lack of skill sets or the struggle that we see in terms of the skill sets, the right skill sets. What kind of skill sets do you think marketers should acquire now to succeed? So, you know, if you ask me in an ideal world, marketers should, you know, train both their left brain and their right brain, right? It's very, very important to be able to analyze, uh, have logical reasoning and thinking and, you know, be able to really crunch that data, right? While at the same time, ensure that the creative aspect of you as a marketer never dies out because for businesses, you know, if you see in any organization, any sort of creativity stems from the marketing organization in any company. Okay. So I think it's very important to not lose that creativity and the creative aspect of the marketing personality, so to speak. And so it's very, very important to maintain both, right? Uh, it's no longer about, you know, in the back in the days, especially, you know, when they say market, they used to equate advertising to marketing many, many years ago. Right. And that at that point, it was just all about creativity. It doesn't matter you know, what impact it has, but it's just a very creative ad campaign. Correct, correct. Yeah, and, at, and then at the same time, in recent years, you're seeing that you, there is so much of, you know, logical thinking in, in, in terms of, you know, how do you really, you know, plan a campaign and what needs to go in there and what are the metrics and what are the insights? But the thing is that you have to marry the two and it's important for marketeers to ensure that they're constantly upskilling themselves in right. both of these areas. I think that's very, very important to do that. Absolutely, it makes sense, yeah. So, so you also made a point that creativity had, has historically or always originated from the marketing, essentially. How do you see the concept of branding evolving? Uh, if branding can be linked to creativity also in some sense. So this concept of branding, and as you said, there was a time when advertising and marketing were you know, considered as the facet of the same coin. But today they, there are there are different functions and there is much more research insight analytics effort goes into each one of them individually how is branding uh, overall transformed over the years so um you know uh, i would say that as custodians of the brand right marketing has a lot riding on it okay um and uh, Brand building over the years, I would say that I think um, the channels in which 
this happened has changed mm-hmm. but i think uh, from a I, and for, this is my personal belief right for me a, you know a brand has to operate from a place of authenticity mm-hmm. because you know at the end of the day um, uh, you, when you are trying to build trust and a relationship with another fellow human being you're able to do it most easily with someone who you feel is genuine and who's authentic right and you're able to relate to that person brands are no different right so if a brand is able to operate from a place of authenticity and and a brand is seen as truly authentic i think the relationship that it builds with its customers uh, you know will stay strong and will stay long yeah and and i think that and that sort of that has evolved and people have seen this more so uh, often recent at recent recent times than before no no absolutely makes sense and i think technology has taught us that internet has taught us that because there was a time when it was believed as you rightly said advertising is branding if you are visible to everyone yeah the brand is made but i think yeah. now is when we are realizing that branding is not just visibility but also the way the brand collaborates with consumers the brand experience yeah. for consumers that also entails a lot of merit in terms of the branding part and yeah. and and i think you would also agree that we have seen a lot of large organizations funded organizations investing huge amount of money on advertising only and thinking that they are making a great brand but unless you work on the product on the platform and experience that that is short lived essentially absolutely absolutely yeah great great so is is there a how do you calculate you know brand equity or let's say what are the components for calculating brand how do you track this entire exercise so you know obviously there are a lot of uh, brand uh, survey tools that one can adopt and uh, you know measure uh, where they stand and uh, uh, how memorable they are as a brand their awareness level their equity and the value of a brand so there are different you know areas of the brand itself that can be measured using different survey tools and different you know mechanisms but uh, i think one of the things that i would urge organizations and and i think it's missing is because they're not able to measure it instantly they don't see value in it you know un- unlike uh, let's say an event that you go to so you spend let's say 50000 in in a sponsorship and in an event and you immediately see okay this many came to our you know to our booth this many showed up at our keynote this many people actually came and saw our demo and this many meetings we've had and therefore we have so many leads so instantly you're seeing an impact in that activity similar to you know any of your digital campaigns where you immediately see how many people you know downloaded your content offering whatever it is so you know you kind of have instant gratification which is not there in brand building okay but it is a long term game uh, and people you know should be able to believe in the power of a brand in order to invest their time and efforts and money okay. in brand building and over a period of time yes you can certainly you know start measuring it but it's not something that will change on a daily basis it has to be done you know perhaps annually and using the right kind of research methodologies to understand where you stand versus competition and where are you lacking in terms of your attributes and what are the aspirational attributes that you need to build in order to resonate and relate better to your audience so i think uh, it is a it is really a long term game and people have to be patient about it right and i think i think uh, we need to understand that each experience count and each experience when it becomes 
big then a person trusts starts trusting a brand and this is exactly what happens in in the case of uh, you know let's say social media so a lot of time when you start on the social media as a as a as a company brand as an organizational brand you immediately say that i need a lot of followers yeah uh, the expectation is that we want to become like apple but what i think we need to all understand that you know over a period of time are we giving that experience to the user are we collaborating with them enough right. and uh, you know that should become huge and then the followers will come to us you don't become friends with people when you you know meet them for the first time yeah. there are a lot of interactions that happen and then you become friends and that is true for branding or even on, on online maybe let's say social media which is closest to yeah and and you know i think it, the onus is on brand to be able to deliver uh, on its promise at every touch point at every interaction and create that unique experience for the customer right whether it is in person or online mm-hmm. so i think uh, every interaction with your customer you're moving an inch forward in building that relationship and becoming a better stronger brand right uh, and like you said it's it's not something that can happen overnight brands are definitely not built overnight so uh, you know people need to accept that but be willing to sort of uh in like i said uh, do the uh, long term game for it correct correct and essentially that also brings me to the question that just like organizational brands we also have personal brands especially in today's age when we you know are uh, so active online and we may be representing our organization or we may not but somewhere our persona also reflects on the organization uh, and specifically in case of the b2b part the b2b organizations uh, enterprise organizations where the 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 leaders they, their persona their branding also creates a lot of trust in the minds of buyers uh, how important do you think first of all is personal branding today and whether we are practicing enough or not oh personal branding brand building is a huge part of building the business brand because uh, at the end of the day especially in b2b right customers are interacting with certain people in the organization it's those people who are you know uh, giving them uh, you know the, the the consultative services or delivering on those services so ultimately who these people are is very important to the customer correct right so if these uh, individuals of these organizations have a unique voice have a unique point of view or you know, are able to showcase some thought leadership mm-hmm. it automatically cascades to the brand itself right so it's important to be able to build and showcase that persona and showcase you know those individual brands and build those brands in order to have the rippling effect on uh, you know the business brand so uh, and and i think that's a very very crucial part i think it's not been done in a very structured way as a as a you know and it's not in fact i won't even say that it's been a part of a you know must have it's a nice to have it's been like that so long but i personally believe that it's very very crucial and uh, you know how you showcase thought leadership through these individuals mm-hmm. will definitely have um, a great impact and and will be very favorable towards your business brand especially for the startups Uh, because they don't have the money or they don't have yeah. the ex- experience yeah. to have built the brand so far so uh, individual brands personal brands uh, make a lot of sense for them especially given the fact that 
uh, you know, people say that the longevity of brands today, yeah. uh, you know, on Fortune list also is so ephemeral, uh, and that's so it's a huge feat that people or brands stay relevant for their audience, stay 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 truthful to the audience, and retain their brand equity for so long. True. Yeah, that's amazing. And so, so that brings us to perhaps the last question. Uh, uh, what are your biggest learnings and uh, uh, joyful marketing moments uh, over the last? Well, uh, for me, it's always been joyful, <laughs> which is why I've been here in marketing for, you know, almost two decades. Um, learnings, I think, uh, I would say, um, uh, you know, like I said, it's important to be very, very aligned and very close to business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think marketing can work sitting in a tower somewhere far away from business, right? Uh, that concept just doesn't fly. I think it's important to be a partner to business and uh, stay very close to the customer. So I think marketing is as much a customer-facing organization as sales is. Um, so I think that's a huge uh, learning that, um, you know, I would like to sort of uh, tell a lot of people, you know, otherwise it just doesn't work. So that is one of the things. And uh, I think uh, the other thing is uh, measure, 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 right? Because uh, I think if you're constantly monitoring, tracking, measuring everything that you're doing, uh, you know, you get the opportunity to um, fine tune your campaign. They, you know, gone are the days when you know you launch a campaign and then you sit back and wait for three months to see if it's performed mm-hmm. well or not. You're mm-hmm. measuring it every single day and you're tweaking the campaign mm-hmm. as you go, right? Mm-hmm. There is and, and and the same goes with plans. Even your plans are iterative. Your plans are never fixed. You keep tweaking your plans based on you know how it's performing, how things are happening. So, I think um, it's a very iterative approach to marketing. Right. Uh, so I think that's another very important thing which I carry with me. And I tell my team that all the time. No, absolutely. Uh, so Purnima, it was really great. Uh, very educative for me also. I learned a lot from the discussion today. And I hope that our audience also who are watching this uh, would also have learned a lot. Uh, how can they reach you out if they have to ask a question? Uh, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. And um, I'm happy to engage with them and they can message me on LinkedIn. So I'm available. <laughs> yeah, that's nice of you. Thank you once again. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you.